Maple Grove. 2,000 years ago, a movement was born. A movement made up of ordinary, everyday people like the people sitting in this very room. Ordinary people who were passionate about the message of Jesus. A movement of self-denying, spirit-empowering men and women who unleashed a, a brand new level of joy, love, hope, peace, and freedom, and grace and truth that changed the world forever. And, and though they face untold trials and unthinkable persecutions, they also experience unimaginable joy as they join with Christ in the advancement of his kingdom throughout this earth. And it all began when a small group of guys said yes to a, to a life-changing invitation from Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And, and in the days and weeks and months to come, these men watched Jesus. They, they listened to Jesus, and they, they learned from him. They learned how to love and how to live and how to serve others in the same way that he did. And then came that moment when they saw him down the cross for their sins, only to rise from the dead three days later. Shortly after this, Jesus would gather his guys on the mountains near the Sea of Galilee and say to them, all authority, as we just sang, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm in charge. Therefore, go and, and make disciples, make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And you will receive power. And that's the, the word for power there is the Greek word dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite, right? And remember JJ? <laughs> dynamite, right? Okay, I can't say like JJ. I totally dated myself by about 12 centuries in that one there. Show's called Good Times, YouTube at Young Folks, right? Uh, you will receive power, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. And then Jesus left them. And they stayed in Jerusalem meeting and praying with the group of about 120 waiting for the Spirit to fall upon them with dunamis, dynamite. And Jesus, true to his promise, as he always is, sent his Spirit. And immediately they began proclaiming the gospel. And in the weeks and months to come, they scattered from Judea to, to Samaria to the ends of the earth, forming, forming a community of believers that turned the world upside down, converting the Roman Empire without raising a shield or lifting a sword and hurling acts and ideas, not, not only across the centuries, but around the world. Uh, understand, this church, these people were radically devoted to God and to God's word. Whatever God told them to do, they did. Whatever God told them to stop doing, they stopped doing. Wherever God told them to go, they went. Where, when the government told them to stop talking about Jesus or die, they literally chose death by the tens of thousands. Now, this church, these people, they, they loved each other in radical kinds of ways. They, they took off their masks and they shared their lives with one another. They laughed and cried and prayed and sang and served together in an authentic Christian community. 
Those who had more shared with those who had less until socioeconomic barriers melted away and, and people related to one another in and, and, and ways that bridged gender and racial chasms and celebrated cultural differences. Acts 2 tells us that this community of believers offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so beautiful it took their breath away. I mean, it was so bold, so creative, so courageous, so dynamic that they couldn't resist. And Acts 2, verse 47 says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yes, 2,000 years ago, the church was born and a movement was started made up of ordinary people who were given the power to proclaim the message that ignited a movement that changed the world forever. I mean, this world is not the same because of the church. This world doesn't see things the same way anymore. It doesn't view women the same way. It doesn't view children. It doesn't view the disabled. It doesn't view the old. This movement changed the way the world saw people. It saw people as everyone being equal, neither male nor female, because we're all the same. We are all one in Christ Jesus. This movement, you know, it's it's impact on science and, and literature and architecture and music is without question. And this morning, as we, as we wrap up this two-week series, Do It Again, it's, there's no doubt whatsoever that God did it once. Right? The fact that we're here today on, on April the 19th, 2015, in Charlottesville, Virginia, at 3210 Prophet Road, 22911, right? Uh, the fact that we're here talking about it is evidence of this movement. 2,000 years ago, God empowered his people to proclaim a message that ignited a movement that changed the world. And and so the question is, how did they do it? I mean, how how did they go from 11 guys, frightened guys, locked behind locked doors because they're afraid of the people to become more than 50% of the entire Roman Empire in about 250 years, despite being persecuted and killed by the tens of thousands. Now, now I really like what Alvin Schmidt says in his book, How Christianity Changed the World. Again, a really great book. And he says this, I love it. The early Christians did not set out to transform the world. The world was affected as a byproduct of believers' transformed lives. Understand, changed lives change lives. Every time. A a, a guy named Gandhi said it this way. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. And, and, And Jesus said it like this. He said to us, his followers, he says, you are the light of the world. Uh, Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. That'd be dumb. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. And we are what? We are the light of the world. Do you believe this? Really believe this? Uh, this weekend, our faith comes from hearing our Bible reading program. We read uh, John chapter 8 where Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. 
If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. Question, why is it easier for you and I to really believe John chapter 8, verse 12, that Jesus is the light of the world than it is for us to believe that we, I mean, look around this room. We're in a room full of people who are the light of the world. And if we are the light of the world, that means if the world follows us, they will no longer have to wander around in darkness because they will have the light that leads to life. Again, change lives, change lives. And that's why before you and I will ever see the change out there, you know, and I don't know where you're out there is, right? The change in your marriage, the change in your family, the, uh, the change in your church. Before we'll ever see the change out there, we must first experience real change in here. Get it? Good. Uh, this was taken from a tomb of a bishop in Westminster Abbey in 1100 A.D. He writes, when I was young and free, and my imagination had no limits, I dreamed of changing the world. As I grew older and wiser and realized the world would not change, I shortened my sights somewhat and decided to change my own, only my country. But it too seemed immovable. As I grew into my twilight years, I settled on changing only my family and those closest to me, but alas, they would have none of it. Now as I lie on my deathbed, and I suddenly realized that if I had only changed myself first, then by example, I could have perhaps changed my family. And from their inspiration and encouragement to me, I would have been better able to help change my country. And from there, I may even have been able to change the world. Understand, change lives, transform lives, will always create a movement that will change the world. Amen? And today, in our time remaining, I want to unpack a a statement uh, that I put together that I think at least helps to answer the question of how did these guys do what they did so that they were, God was able to do in them incredible things and so that God can do those things again. And here's a statement. The early church had a radical belief that led to an intense devotion resulting in a dra- dramatic transformation that changed the world. And, and let's pray. Prayer's a good thing. Father, we love you and Lord, I feel totally inadequate to stand up here and talk about your movement. And and I just want to declare I need your help. I need your help, Lord, to paint a picture. Holy Spirit, I need you to move among your people so they'll know that what I'm saying is true. That you long to do it again. That you long to do in us what you did back then. That that you long to change and transform our lives so that we can make this world a better place one life at a time. That that you didn't leave us here to huddle up in our buildings, but you want us to make this world a different place, a better place. And it starts with us being different. And and God, I I just ask for your help. Holy Spirit, I, I know it's what you want. I know it's what you desire. And so I just pray that you would have your way in, in this room in the next few minutes. And, and, and my hope and my trust and my confidence are, are not in words that I, I threw on a page or my ability to stand up here and rattle off, God. But my hope and my trust, my confidence is in your, you and your word that is alive and, and active. And God, 
I just plead with you to help ignite a movement in this place today. A movement that will bring you honor and that will bring you glory. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Totally intimidating to me. I mean, I I, want to see a movement. I want to be a part of that movement. And and, and I don't know how to do it without God, right? And so, man, let's just, just, man, be believing God for great things. Man, because I I can't do it. Man, if I could just find the right words, right? If I had some little pixie dust, right? You know, I would do it. But this incredible movement that changed the world started with, had as its foundation a radical belief. And listen, with, <clears throat> I always sing my voice out. I, I sing loud. Sometimes you probably hear me. Um, maybe. <laughs> Definitely, right? Uh, hey, you stormy gale. I was thinking about you on that, that verse. On, yeah. Every stormy gale. We got a stormy gale in our church right now. Um, but, but, but anyhow, you know, uh, this movement in the first century, if it did not have radical faith, it, it would have never gotten on the tracks to begin with, let alone have the power to drive down those tracks for 300 years. And again, as we unpack this statement, the early church had a radical belief that led to an intense devotion resulting in a dramatic transformation that changed the world. As we unpack it, the, the, the first person that I need to unpack it for and the first person that you need to unpack it for is for yourself. Remember, if you want to see change in your home, if you want to see change in, in your marriage, if, if you want to see change in this church, it starts with who? It starts with you. Do you have a radical belief? And again, only a radical belief has the power to bring about real and sustained change. And you know what? Jesus was well aware of that. I mean, he's he's in the upper room with his guys, and he's about to be arrested, and he's telling them uh, about his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and totally freaking them out. And, And he says this, I have told you these things to freak you out. No, I've... I know they are freaking you out, but he said, I told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will, what? You'll believe. You'll believe. Then a little later in, in John's gospel, he, he is risen, and one of the disciples, Thomas, named the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They, they told him, we've seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless... Do you have an unless? You know, God, I won't believe in you unless, unless you fix that relationship, unless you give me that career back, unless you do that, right? And Thomas says, I won't believe it unless. I see the nails in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in the side. Eight days later, shows you, man, he should have been in church the last week, right? I mean, he had to wait eight days, Right? It's a good verse for church attendance. Disciples are together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. They're still kind of scared. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was sitting among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, you Thomas, put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Uh, put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord 
Oh my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And guess who that is? That's us. Disciples saw Jesus do many other miracles in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and thereby believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name, by the power of his character, his person, and his purposes. You see, Jesus knew that a radical belief was necessary to sustain this movement. That's why we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, So in the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to his apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God, which is the church. See, Jesus knew that, that, that belief was essential. It was foundational to this movement. And you know what the early church, you know, you know, what, how they were referred to throughout the book of Acts, two words, over and over again, over 30 times. We see these two words describing the early Christians. Here's two examples, Acts 1.15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. And who are believers? The ones who believe. Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own but they shared everything they had. Okay, here's the deal, Maple Grove. If we want God to do it again, in our church and in our lives, we must believe. We must believe. We must believe that Jesus actually is alive. We must believe that the tomb really is empty. We must believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We must believe that Jesus did what he said he did. And listen, if Jesus did what he said he did, if he did what he said he did, suffer, die, and rise again, then those things mean exactly what Jesus said they meant. That means that God really has unleashed his mercy, paid our debt, bought our freedom, and secured our forever. We must believe that. We must believe that the the resurrection really does change everything. It changes our past. It changes our present. It changes our future. We must believe that Jesus really does, as we sang, have all authority on heaven and on earth. Uh, we must believe that Jesus, he's, that he really has gone back to the Father, and he really is right now preparing a, a place for us, and he really, really will come back to take us to be with him forever. But uh, we must really believe, like Peter, that, that even if we deny him, if we repent, we can be restored. We, we must believe that Jesus really is with us always, and that we never once will walk alone. We must believe that, that Jesus did come to bring life in all its fullness and that life in all its fullness is meant for us too. I'm here to tell you this morning, the gospel's for you too. 
It's not just something for you to proclaim. It's something for you to claim. It's for you. The good news is for you. And you need to believe that despite your many sins, failures, and shortcomings, that you are saved completely by the grace of God. It's his grace on which you stand. And when we see his face, the only claim we'll make is what? Hey, what are you doing here, Steve? Kyle, what are you doing here? And Kyle will just say, you know what? It's his grace. When I see his face, the only claim I'll make, right, Kyle, is his grace on which I stand. We've got to believe that, that his grace can hold us. We've got to believe that God really does cause all things to work together for good. We have to believe that in him, that in all things we are more than conquerors in him. We need to believe that the one that is in us is greater, is greater, is greater. You see my notes, I got this greater than signs like a bunch of times. He's greater, he's greater, he's greater, he's greater, he's greater, he's greater, he's greater than the one that's in the world. Uh, We need to believe that everyone in this world is going to spend eternity somewhere. And that God has called us and commissioned us to redirect as many of those eternities as we possibly can. And we need to believe that despite... Wherever we happen to find ourselves today, that God is not done with us yet. We're still breathing, he ain't done. And he still wants to work in us and work through us to create a better future. And I, I don't know about you, but when I read about all this stuff that I'm supposed to believe, that's some good stuff. I mean, if that's really true, are you kidding me? If this is really true, that's like good news. That the God that breathed out stars loves me and put in flesh and died for me. You know, that I'm going to spend eternity with him. I mean, you know, that I'm more than a conqueror than him. That nothing can separate me from his love. That's some good news. But, but I feel like that dad we meet in Mark chapter 9. You know, Jesus is being transfigured on the mountain. His disciples are totally tanking it, right, with this guy. Demon be gone. Demon said, yo, we, we don't know you. You're a joke. You're jokes. You know, and they're like, hey, this ain't working. Dad's kind of frustrated. And Jesus comes down from the mountain and... and, and the dad talks to him, and Jesus says, hey, man, how long has this been going on with your boy? He says, since he's been born, since he was small. He says, sometimes he, imagine it's your son. Sometimes he foams at the mouth, and he throws himself into the fire. And then he makes this statement. I love it. Looking at Jesus. But, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love these three words of Jesus. If you can, if I can, are you talking to me? <laughs> if, you know, I breathe out stars, <laughs> you know, like I created billions of galaxies that I hold the earth in its orbit, that I can bring dead things back to life, that I can make them dry bones live. If, do you ever do that, right? God, my, I'm going through a hard time and God, if you can do anything, I, yeah. I know you create everything, but my little problem here could be too big for you. <laughs> I just love it. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed the same thing. I want to cry out every time I see the stuff I'm supposed to believe. The stuff I stand up here and proclaim. I do believe. But could you help me with my unbelief? Early church had a radical belief 
that led to an intense devotion resulting in a dramatic transformation that changed the world. I understand a, a, a radical belief will always lead to an intense devotion. On January the 10th, 1997, I had a radical belief that, 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 that I was supposed to spend my life with a beautiful lady named Laurie, right? You know, I had a, and you know what? That radical belief has led to an intense devotion. Radical belief always leads to an intense devotion. So just what is this intense devotion that is supposed to result from our radical belief in God? Well, we find it in Acts chapter 2. Peter writes, or Luke records, that those who believe what Peter said, what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. When those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, and to prayer. Uh, who was they? Those who were baptized and being saved. Those, what did they do? They devoted. And who did they devote? They devoted themselves. Have you ever wanted to devote somebody else? <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe a spouse, your kids, your parents, friend, relative. But, but we can't do that. As much as we want to, we can only devote ourselves. And that word devote carries the meaning of adhering to with strength, superglue, gorilla tape, all right? And it's a present tense, meaning ongoing action. And what did they adhere to with strength? What were they devoted to? They were devoted, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the word of God. They said, look, world, uh, we're standing upon the word of God. It, it, it may be popular. It, it might not be popular. It may be politically correct. It, it may not be politically correct. But, but this is our foundation, and, and this book is going to guide us, and, and this book is going to direct us, and, and, and this book is going to determine our decisions. It's going to determine how we handle our finances. It's going to, it's going to guide how we act in our marriages and our families. It, it, it's going to uh, direct our paths when we, when we use our tongues. It's going to determine um, what we do and what we say to and about people when those people hurt us. Uh, this book is going to determine where we go and, and, and where we don't go, what we do and, and what we don't do. It's going to determine how we view our sexuality and how we view our social responsibility. Yeah, this book, they said, you know what, we're, we're going to read it, uh, we're going to know it, and we're going to live both by it, and we're going to live under it. We're going to live under this book. And, and if ever we disagree with this book, it's because this book is right, and we are what? We're wrong. Don't argue with God, you're going to lose, right? If you disagree with this book, it's because you're wrong because I'm wrong. Then every time we read it, we read it with the spirit of God. God, you know, God, this is your word, and, and God is living and active, and it judges my thoughts and attitudes. And God, as I read it, is there something I need to change in my life? Is there something I need to do differently? Is there something I need to straighten out? Because God, it would be a waste of time for me to get into your word, to, to read your word, to encounter you, and then to walk out the same way I was when I went in. I love Psalm 119, verse 7. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will buy a coffee cup 
with them on them. You know, as I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by buying a t-shirt. No, I will thank you by what? By living as I should. I read your word and I align my, they were devoted to the word. They were devoted to the fellowship, which means they were devoted to doing life together. They knew that together was better. So they were devoted to serving, loving, accepting, teaching, encouraging, honoring, admonishing, forgiving, confessing, and praying for one another. They're devoted not to the friendship, but to the fellowship. Uh, They're devoted to relationships that were centered around becoming more and more like Christ. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. They're devoted to the breaking of the bread, which is communion. It's kind of crazy that sometimes we, that makes it in there. Like, I mean, that's kind of a good thing to do, but why is God put it in there? They're devoted to this weekly reminder of God's love and Jesus' sacrifice. So every week they're reminded, hey, hey, here's what it costs God the Father. Here's what it costs God the Son. And praise God, here is what it brought to us, and here is what it bought for us. They were devoted to prayer. I mean, they were like this. Okay, wait, 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 wait. The veil's torn in two, and they're like, okay, are you, are you kidding me? So, so you're telling me that I now have a direct line to the sovereign king of the universe? You better believe I'm going to use it. And that's why, I, I got to be honest, I think they would scratch their heads and look at us individually and as a church as we struggle in our own strength and we don't pray. They'd be like, they're like seriously? Like, you, you, you could talk to like God about this? Like, the start, start breathing, ocean on God, and you're, you can talk to him like anytime you want and you're not even bothering to talk to him? Finally, they're devoted into, the, into tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And listen, that same power, that same powerful spirit was given to us at our baptism. The spirit who shapes and convicts, refreshes and challenges, moves and empowers, speaks and acts. Paul says in Ephesians 2, I pray also that you may understand the incredible greatness of God's dunamis of God's dynamite for us who believe him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a heavenly place, in a place of honor, God's right hand in heavenly realms. A few weeks back in our faith comes from here and we read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. I love this one. Kingdom of God, and that's the church. Paul said in Colossians, he has brought us out of the kingdom of the darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves, work. We are the kingdom of God that Jesus established as church. Kingdom of God is not just a lot of what? Talk. It's living by God's power. And I don't know about you, but in my opinion, there is simply not enough dunamis in my life, and there's not enough dunamis in our church. And I want to show you a little video here. That kind of shows how ridiculous it is for you and I to try to push and move our lives and church on our own power. The Big Red Tractor. Maple Grove, the Big Red Tractor book. It's true. And, and, and i got to be honest with you, there's, 
There's too much at our church that is explainable. Explainable because it can be explained by our effort, right? We can, we can pull and push pretty hard. And uh, I long to see unexplainable. And, and, and one way it happens is prayer. I challenge the first service to come early to pray, you know, um, in the next seven weeks to come two times. I, I, I double dog dared them through the power of the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, you know, I, I should have broke, broke out the triple dog there because then you're really you know, Trinity, right? Uh, but, you know, just to pray in the cafe and, and pray. You know what, God, God, maybe there's someone who's really hurting this morning, needs to hear your voice. God, could you help them hear it? God, God maybe there's someone that's heading in the wrong direction. They're about to make a decision that could really mess them up for years. God, could you help them not do it? You know, God, there's a marriage that's struggling, God, and would you, would you help them today? Do you think, would, would it make a difference if we gathered in mass and prayed for things like that? So here, here's a challenge to you guys, right? Because I, I can't do it. I'll be up here. You know, I, I've always thought it'd be awesome to, during, while I'm up here, while every service is going on, that we had people meeting somewhere and someone in here can figure it out, right? Someone in here, God's going to move to say, hey, let's just see if the big retractor book is true. And let's see that if we gathered and prayed while the first service was going on, let's see if God would move, you know? And let's see if God will do what he said. Let's see if God's true to his promises, you know? And, and, and I, I long, I, I gotta be, I gotta be, you know, I, I'm tired. I'm tired of pushing and pulling the tractor of my life. And I gotta be honest, I, I'm tired of trying to push and pull the tractor of this church in my own strength. And it's stupid for me to even try. You know, it's stupid for me to try. And so I just let that challenge to you guys. Ernie Church had a radical belief that led to an intense devotion resulting in a dramatic transformation that changed the world. And listen, a, a radical belief, and this is who he really is, will always result in an intense devotion, right? I mean, if you really believe you're supposed to have this career, you're going to study hard in college, right? It, it will always lead to an intense devotion, and an, an intense devotion will always lead to a dramatic transformation, always. Paul said in, in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and you guys know that the, the Greek word for transformation is the Greek word uh, metamorpho, where we get our English word what? I got a picture of that right there. Now that's pretty dramatic, right? I mean, just think what the caterpillar's mom and dad thought when he came back home from college, right? It's like, what the heck happened to you? Where's all the green and slime, Right? You know, it, I mean, something totally different comes out the other side. I'm here to tell you, you, you know what the cocoon is for us? It's intense devotion. It's intense devotion to the Word. It's intense devotion to community. It's intense devotion to prayer. It's intense devotion to tap it in to the Holy Spirit. It's intense devotion to remembering the Lord's Supper, what He did, what it cost Him, and what it bought for us. And, and listen, just like the caterpillar, you don't have to understand how it works. Right? He didn't have to take a test. Okay, before you enter the cocoon, tell us what's going to happen inside or else we can't let you in. No, he just had to go in. And once he went in, he came out totally different. That is the power of God. That is the power of our living and active God. He, he changes things. A green caterpillar in, 
And we talked about that for weeks in our series, right? It's time to grow. We talked about the caterpillar, right, a little bit. Uh, We talked about the acts of the sinful nature, the weeds in our life, the anger, the lust, the immorality, the hatred, the bitterness, right? That goes into the cocoon, and what comes out is something totally different, right? What flows out is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And again, it's all about your belief in, hey, if I crawl into this cocoon, it's going to happen. I don't got to figure out how. I just got to crawl into the cocoon. Cocoonship, we call it around Maple Grove. Discipleship and crawling into cocoonship. And Jesus said in John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Quit trying to be a branch. I mean, quit trying to be a vine. He says this, those who remain to me and I to them, those who crawl into the cocoon will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? See, the fruit of our lives will reveal the root of our lives. The early church had a radical belief that led to an intense devotion resulting in a dramatic transformation that changed the world. And if we could, I'd like to get real for a moment. And I got three questions, and the answer is yes or no, right? Uh, Yes, simply yes or no. And here's the first question. Uh, Did God do it once? Did God empower believers to proclaim a message that ignited a movement that changed the world? Yes or no? What do you think? All right. Number two. Does God want to do it again right here, right now? Yes or no? Okay. Number three. Has your church experience and your Christian walk been, for the most part, a do-it-again adventure? Yes or no? Not so much. Not so much. I received an article in the mail from Sonia Cabell the mother of Joseph, <laughs> the forehead of heroin, <laughs> the big smiling one too, if you got Facebook, boy, that dude can smile. Um, and the article uh, had some pretty cool quotes in Here's the first one. There's a reason so many movements in the Western church have failed in the past century. They are a car without an engine. Now, I'm not a mechanic. I got a good mechanic named Chuck. And, but even though I'm not a mechanic, I can realize a car without an engine, not good, right? You know, uh, no engine, no go, right? I, I got that. And, and so what is the engine of the church? What drives it? So what is the engine of the church? Discipleship or crawling in the cocoon ship. And then he goes on. I've said many times, if you make disciples, you will always get the church. But if you try to build the church, you will rarely get disciples. Dude, you nailed it. Don't like it? Ouch, ouch, ouch. But what you're saying is true. Guys, we're, do- we're doing the wrong thing. It ain't our job to build the church, leaders. Steve, that's not our job. Oh, Steve is everybody, right? Steve's. <laughs> Steve's. Okay, you know, that's not our job. Our job is to make disciples. He builds the church. We go, well, hey, you know what? We're not going to make disciples. We're going to do your job. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. See, if we work that way, you're just, we're just going to have a bunch of green, slimy caterpillars instead of butterflies, which brings us to the final point in your notes. It's the word pursue, and, and we're, we're about done. And, and after that, you could put, you know, because you know, we have radical, radical belief, intense devotion, dramatic transformation. You could put, you know, 
after we're pursued intentionally and passionately. You see, we know we don't got it going on here, all right? We know we got, we got, we're more caterpillar-like than we care to admit, and and then we admitted it, and we in, in November of 2013, we asked someone to come down who is from a church that is, has got it going on pretty good and has accomplished some great things. Hey, could you help us? Could you help us develop our new vision, mission, and values? And Gary Johnson came down in, in the fall of 2013, and we developed our vision, mission, and values. And, and then the beginning of 2014, we rolled those out. And if you're new here and weren't here for that, I encourage you, go online. It, the series was called Identity, the Grove who we are, and check those things out. Even if you're here, I'm actually, I'm going to listen to them again because I think maybe I forgot what we're supposed to be about here, right? Where I rolled out these things, right? And, 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 and then, you see, see, you know why we did that? Because you know what we knew? We didn't know like one day we'd just wake up and, hey, wow, we're the church we're supposed to be. Oh, that wasn't awesome. We just went to bed and here we are. No, we knew that we wouldn't accidentally fall into it. We knew we'd have to be intentional about it. So we brought Gary back down in, in, in May of last year. And in May of last year, he helped us develop our three-year strategic plan called Pursue. That's what, we got some more of these back there. This is what this green bracelet is that, you know, and, and, and I got to be honest, I don't always think about it being on my hands. It's there. But what it's about, it's about pursue. It's about becoming the man and be, helping lead a church to who God wants us to be. And, and, and see, pursue, it, it's all about it, you know, you know it, it, it's all about making disciples. That's it, right? It, that's what it's about. It, all the other stuff, side issues, right? Whether we sit in pews or chairs or sing hymns or pray songs, that, that's, not, that's not the heartbeat of pursue. The heartbeat of pursue is that we want to become the people that God wants us to be. It's all about helping people have, have a radical faith, a radical belief that will lead to an intense devotion that will result in a dramatic transformation that people will see in the world and it will change the world one life at a time. And, and, and listen, I, I realize that this transformation thing, this discipleship thing, this becoming like Jesus, it, it's not an event. It, it's a process. It's a slow process. It's a long process. It's, it's not always a party or a sexy process. It's a hanging down from the cocoon being a slimy caterpillar process for a little bit longer than you want to be. Mike Breen, who had those other quotes I read earlier about discipleship, the truth about discipleship is that it's never hip and it's never in style. It's a call to come and what? Die. A long obedience in the same direction. You see, that's what we want. That, that, that's who we, that, that's who we, we want to be as, as a church. And it, it's kind of funny today. I was closing the doors as, as we were coming in here and, and, and uh, um, Joe Zagala said, hey, man, is that, they got you doing that job now? You know, you know, it made me think of that. Dave, remember what David said? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. And you know what? I just want to be a part you know, of a church that's doing everything and being everything that God wants them to be. That's, that's all I want. I, I want to be a church full of butterflies and, and, and people in transition, right? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm green and slimy, but I'm crawling into that cocoon. I'm in there pounding. Hey, when do I get out of this sucker? You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to fly. And that's the purpose of pursue. And, 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 and it got you, guys, it got you know that, that we in leadership, especially me, you know, we're not even sure what we're doing. 
We're, we're kind of clueless. We're still trying to figure this stuff out. We really are. Sorry. <laughs> you know? Uh, so be patient, right? But, but, here, but here, here's what I know. If you want to get to the right place, number one, you, you, you got to be asking the right questions. And we're asking the right questions. You know, we're asking, hey, how do we grow in our faith? How do we share our faith with those who don't know Jesus? And how do we demonstrate our faith in a world that thinks the church is outdated, legalistic, uncaring, and unloving, and irrelevant? Those are the right questions, and we're asking those questions. To get to the right place, you got to ask the right questions, and you have to be pointed in the right direction. I'm going to tell you, we are pointed in the right direction. I don't know how far along we are. I don't know. I think we're in the starting blocks. I don't know. I was talking to Tim Cole, who is the, the new executive director at, at uh, VEF, the church planner for Virginia. Tell him what we're doing. He goes, yeah, it's going to be like two or three years before you even know. <laughs> you know uh, see, see the results of what you guys are trying to do right now. Okay, but here's what I want to finish with, and I appreciate your guys' patience, but this is, this is man, if we grasp this today, woo! I don't know where I came from. Hey, the Bible does a lot of shout, and I apologize for those who are in this room. <laughs> but, but here's how you can both get in on and evaluate where you're at in the process. And I sat with my, uh, my good friend, Steve Bailey, um, this week, and and we're, we're hammering this out. We may tweak it some more. Uh, you're going to start seeing this places. But hey, what are the steps? Uh, the first step is starting point. It's something brand new. Um, um, what this is going to be like, if you're like, hey, I've been coming to church for a while, and yeah, it's kind of all right, and, 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 but you're not sure, well, starting point is we're going we're gonna to have the first one on May 17th, right after second service. We're going to give you a, a free lunch. Bring your kids, because we're not really going to be talking long. We're gonna go down to the student center, have a, have a good lunch, you know. I may even talk to my wife, occasionally making her stuffed shells, which really rocked the house, you know. And, and, and uh, I said it publicly now, she'll make them, you know. Um, uh, uh, but, but we're going to, uh, and you'll say, like, hey, I'm Steve. You met me. You don't hear from me anymore. Hey, here's Sylvia. Works with her kids. Here's Randy, our life group. Here's, Syl- you know, here, here's Laurie with the students. Here's some of our leaders. And we'll sit at a table and eat. And you just get to meet a few people, the leadership, and that's, that's really all it's going to be, all right? Um, the next step in the process is, is what we call the belong class, and, and this is where you go to find out about our church and what we believe, and um, one's coming up in a few weeks, and I'll let you know about that. You can actually sign up for starting point just by writing it on your um, connection card today, and you may want to, you could be on the ground floor, the very first starting point. I mean, 25 years from the day when they're talking about starting point, you're going to say, hey, I was there at the very first one. You, you don't want to miss that, right? Um, the Belong class is, is coming up in a few weeks, and that's where we talk about who we are as a church. And, and out of that, you know, you make a decision, hey, you know, um, if you haven't already been baptized, to be baptized. And obviously, you don't have to sit, take a class to be baptized. You can do that today if you haven't already, okay? Or you join the church. Say, hey, right now, don't know how long I'm going to be here, but right now, I feel called to be a part of what God is doing to Maple Grove. Then we have the grow class, and, and that, that is where we talk about the ways that you can crawl into the cocoon and, and, and grow in your faith and, and make a commitment to, you know, um, you can see them up there. Regular church attendance, prayer, tithing, being in community. 
Then we have our serve class where you're gonna, you take a class coming up real soon. Uh, Steve's gonna teach another one where, hey, what's your ministry, man? God's gifted you and, and, and what, do, what do you need to do to help this army move forward? And finally, the engage class. We're gonna talk about sharing our faith and demonstrating our faith into our community. And so we want you guys to be, where are you in the process, right? Hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I need to do. But here's what I do know is that if we do what only we can do, then God will do what only God can do. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with sincere and glad hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number, what's the next word? Daily, those who are being saved. Would anybody like to see that? Okay, and here, here, we're gonna wrap up and yeah, I took long today, but we'll, we'll all get over it, right? You know, the sun will still go down the same time today, so we're fine. Okay, stick with me. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. You know, I, I went to this uh, conference, Next Level, and, and they had this wall you had to pray some bold prayers on, and, and guys would get up and write on it what they're going to pray about, and, and, and I didn't do it the first day because I didn't know what I was supposed to pray for, and, you know, and I want to have a really cool prayer to pray so people could take pictures of it and take back to their other church. No, I'm kidding. You know? uh, and finally, I, I, I thought about it. I said, here's the prayer I want to pray. And here's what I prayed. You know, Lord, help me to ignite an army of crazy people, right? You know, of crazy people. You say, hey, you know, if God said we can do it, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's go for it. Let's reckless abandon. Let's just go for it. And, and, and then, you know, to have 100 people surrender to Christ in baptism this year. Okay, we have four so far, you know. You know, Satan didn't want me to put that up there, right? Because like, wow, Steve, you're going to put it up there and you're, you're praying for it, and gosh, no one, we can do that, right? And any crazy people in this room? Okay, we got, we got one. <laughs> one and a very good echo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, love you guys. It, 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 there was intentionality in the songs that I, I wanted sung today. Um, you know, because when we, when we stand amazed in his presence, when we, when we stand on his grace, when we, we stand on this solid rock, you know, you know, then it's time for us to stand. And we're going to sing this song, Stand, and it's an opportunity for us to say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I stand on you. And Lord, I stand here today and I proclaim, you know what, God, I may not have much. I may just have a few loaves, a few fish, you know, but I stand in all I am. All my hopes, all my dreams, all my desires, all my motivations. God, I stand amazed by you. I stand on your rock. I stand amazed by your grace. And God, I want you to know that all I have and all I am, it's yours, God. It's all yours. It belongs to you. And I take a stand for you right now. And so I'm going to pray. And we're just going to sing this song. And I guarantee you, man, just tune into the Spirit. And he's going to speak to you. I don't know what he's going to tell you, but it's going to be something amazing as we sing this song. Let, let's stand. God, we love you. And God, thank you for this time. And, and God, thank you for the, uh, the patience of your people, Lord. I, I, I know we went a little long. And I know that we is me. <laughs> and, and, and God, create a movement. God, just do something in us. Spirit, just flow with power. God, we're amazed that you would love us, that you would allow us to stand in your grace, to stand on this rock that is firm and secure no matter what happens. 
And God, too many times we stand up for the wrong things, but we want to stand up for you right now. And, and, and I want to say right now, God, that all I am, it's yours. It's yours. In Jesus' name, amen.